0: Our gospel lesson this day comes from the Gospel of John, the 18th chapter, when Jesus is on trial before Pontius Pilate. Pilate went back into the palace. He summoned Jesus and asked, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this on your own or have others spoken to you about me? Pilate responded, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your nation and its chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, My kingdom doesn't originate from this world. If it did, my guards would fight so that I wouldn't have been arrested by the Jewish leaders. My kingdom isn't from here. So you are a king, Pilate said. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this reason, to testify to the truth. Whoever accepts the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I don't know about you, but calling Jesus the king feels to me kind of like a harmless and benign title. We call him Lord when we pray, which also means master or someone that we serve. So king just kind of seems like a natural title for Jesus. I don't think we tend to think about Jesus' name that much. A lot of times we roll Jesus Christ off of our tongues in good and bad ways, but usually thinking that Christ just is like his last name. When in reality, uh, Christ, right, is the translation from Greek of Christos that just simply means Messiah, the one who saves. So the very title Jesus Christ is, is Jesus the Christ, the one who saves, not just a last name. Jesus the king is the ruler over the entire universe. In Revelation, we read that he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. There's a tradition of God as king, especially written about in the Psalms, in Psalm 95, right in a succession of songs that proclaim the kingship of God. Psalm 95 begins with this, Come, let's sing out loud to the Lord. Let's raise a joyful shout to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before him with thanks. Let's shout songs of joy to him. The Lord is a great God, the great king over all the gods. Now Jesus has been made the king. God the Father entrusted this work to Jesus, who then makes us his followers, ambassadors of that kingdom. That's not a benign title for us either. Ambassadors of God's kingdom. Christian, after all, means little Christ. That's literally what it stands for. So who we are in the world as Christian people is to be little Christ, to be ambassadors of that king wherever we go. But how does Jesus rule in this kingdom? Well, he shows us, right, that his kingdom is not of this world. We see the power in this kingdom is gained through Humility, not might and strength and, and, and show feats of greatness. We see that generosity is the measure of wealth, not how much remains in one's bank account. You see, it's not just that Jesus' kingdom is based in heaven that makes it not of this world. It is that the values of God's kingdom are utterly nonsensical to the kingdoms of this world. Pope Pius XI established Christ the King Sunday in 1925 as a response to growing nationalism. It was a reminder for Catholics at the time that their primary allegiance was to Jesus. This is quite the sign in 1925, coming out of World War I, as Mussolini was rising to power in Italy, right? This is what's happening in the world during that time, right in the midst of Rome, here, Pope Pius is saying, no, Christ is the king, and we're going to honor that the last Sunday of the liturgical year every year. What does it tell us that we live within the century where this holy day was officially declared for the church? Perhaps we need a reminder about Christ being king more than any other time thus far in human history. For Jesus the king clashes with any other kingship or power The flags of Nazi Germany draped the altars of German churches during the rise of Hitler's Third Reich. The church essentially baptized the anti-Semitic and autocratic authority. People who claimed to follow Jesus the King allowed for the genocide of six million Jews in what was a, quote, Christian country at the time. Now, there was a confessing church movement making up, even at times, one-third of the church leaders. You've heard names like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Karl Barth, who helped instigate and lead that movement, who sought to undermine Hitler's state takeover of the church. But the Nazis, frankly, had the numbers at the time. People who claimed to follow Jesus the king in this country proclaimed defense of slavery, and Jim Crow from pulpits like this one. People who claim to follow Jesus, the king, allowed for the genocide of native peoples and the taking of their land, all in the name of manifest destiny. Friends, we are not immune from these very moments. They are a part of our story as a nation. And honestly, when we think about that history, and we think about the grand swath of the world, and we think about how, how short of a time our nation has been alive, It's not that long ago. None of those events, none of those things. These moments are a part of the story of Christians in America. And friends, when people are subjugated, slaughtered, or enslaved, quote, in the name of Jesus, that is not Jesus the king people are following. For Jesus came to testify to the truth. In the same way, we must hold up the powers of our world to scrutiny. And we recognize that no political party and no nation-state represents and is completely congruent with the kingdom of God. Friends, I feel like this is the sermon that I preach every year on Christ the King Sunday. And I actually went back to check and read through and look at what I had preached in years past. And regardless of the text, it always kind of seemed to come around. In the same way I'm going to talk about resurrection power on Easter. Like, guess what? If you come here on Easter... I'm going to talk about Jesus rising from the dead and how that has to do with your very life. If you come on Christmas Eve, I'm going to talk about God coming in the flesh, just a preview of coming attractions, okay? Like that's going to happen. You kind of expect it. In the same way, on Christ the King Sunday, I'm going to talk about allegiance. As Christian people, when we stand up and say the creed or we consider our baptismal vows, that say that we resist evil injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Those words are pledges of allegiance to King Jesus. Friends, our baptism in Christ becomes our primary identity and our primary identifier. If I stand before your coffin, at your funeral, I will proclaim these words. Dying Christ destroyed our death. Rising Christ destroyed our... Rising Christ restored our life. As in baptism, they put on Christ. So in Christ may they be clothed in glory. Friends, our baptism becomes our primary identifier and marker. That we are claimed by Jesus. That we are called his children. That I am a follower of Jesus first over all other identities and all other titles that I might claim for myself. As Christian people, we have lost our credibility in this culture, not because we follow Jesus and therefore are a little strange. We've lost our credibility because Jesus is not our king anymore. We are influenced by a whole host of other kings and identities. The Bible calls this idolatry. In the Old Testament, right every time that an Israelite king allowed for idolatry to flourish, it was the downfall for that king. And if you go back and you read in First and Second Kings or First and Second Chronicles, and you read through the litany of the kings, which is thrilling reading uh, when it repeats itself kind of over and over, right? And it tells you that the king, this king, set up Asherah poles in that town, or this king allowed for the prophets of Baal to worship in that place. It makes it clear that whenever whenever the Israelite king allowed for idolatry to flourish that king was taken down and was a bad king and ruler. It's just a lot trickier for us today because our idols don't look like big statues that we have put up. Instead they look like Instagram influencers or athletes or TV pundits or celebrities or hosts. Our idols are the things and the issues that grab our hearts. So we're still in the business of trying to figure out this first commandment that God offers. You shall have no other gods before me. That's what Christ the King Sunday is about. It's about a clash. It's about a clash of who is God, of who is the king. Jesus the king claims exclusivity upon us, that we should have no other gods or no other kings. And friends, this might sound like Jesus the king is demanding, but rather this is really good news. Jesus the king wants us in his reign, and he wants us as his ambassadors. And as such, the king demands exclusivity. So Jesus the king is hardly a benign title. I invite you to think for a moment about this. And this, these phrases kind of, rung in my head and heart this week as I was thinking about Christ the King. Is Jesus your king or is he your buddy? No authority is needed when Jesus is your buddy. He's like someone who just hangs out and he's around when you need him. Buddy Jesus is cool. He's likable. And he never says things that would ever challenge you to live any differently. Is Jesus your king or your fling? I like that one because it rhymed. Flings go off and on and back again. Is Jesus around for you just when you're in a spiritual mood? Do you leave him and come back a little while later when you feel bad for not being around? Is Jesus your king or your scapegoat? Do you blame Jesus for your particular worldview? Do you implicate him in views that have very little to do with the views of the God of Israel making himself known to us in Jesus? Is he just a convenient excuse for thinking how you want to think and doing what you want to do? Is Jesus your king or your side gig? Are you all his until something better comes around? Are you kind of always looking for someone or something else to show up and sweep you off your feet? Since Jesus is the king, He can't be any of those other things. Our buddy, fling, scapegoat, side gig. Those are all things that we make Jesus into for our own convenience. But he is the king. He is the servant king. He does not force his way into your life, but he allows you to let him in and follow him in the way of the kingdom. So calling Jesus the king is not harmless nor benign. And your baptism into his kingdom is not empty or powerless, quite the opposite. Jesus is the king. Will you let him be king of your life? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.